brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by American Yogi. In a world increasingly driven toward the grind, find your outlet for peace. American Yogi is a mindfulness-based apparel and wellness brand with international retreats, free classes, and rad clothing and accessories to support you along life's journey. Find American Yogi on Instagram at liveamericanyogi or at americanyogi.com. American Yogi is proud to support the Brass and Unity podcast and its community with the code BRASS15. Join the mindful counterculture. Live American Yogi. Hey there, humans. So as you know, we're still here at SHOT Show, and it's 2023, and I'm sitting down with the CEO of the boot campaign, Shelly Kirkland. And if you don't know and you aren't aware, Brass and Unity partnered with the boot campaign for the Buddy Check Suicide Prevention Bracelets with their You Matter in September um it's something really important near and dear to my heart that you know but it's also really important that you go check out boot campaign especially if you're american and you are looking for support or you're looking for foundations that really put their money where their mouth is and genuinely take those funds and help individuals on a long-term basis and not just band-aid things so thank you shelly for your time oh thank you for having me i'm so glad to have you i've been trying to get this to happen now for a hot minute and you are too cool for school <laughs> you just had to come to the u.s i know America. America. <laughs> Everybody wants America. You got to come to me. You got to come to me. I only do in person. You know how many times I've been told that? I would have done it virtually, it's, but it's better in person. Well, it's because you're beautiful and you can get away with that. Oh, well, aren't most, you kind? Well, most of these men. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest with ourselves. It's fine. Um, it's something about like like a barn door or like uh, guns going off near their face that somehow just changes them. Um, but I wanted to have a chat with you too because so many people have seen us uh, posting about you, posting about what you guys do, and they're starting to pick up on the differences in organizations as Afghan has ha- uh, come and gone, and we have now the fallout of the you know the past twenty years. The, the amount of organizations that have popped up, the amount of 5013Cs in America, Canada, and, and the world that have come up have been significant, but it causes a ton of confusion, not only for donors, but it also causes, in my opinion, confusion for veterans because they don't know who's doing what, why they're doing it, or if they're actually going to fulfill what they said they were going to fulfill. Um, 
But I want to know, how did you step into boot camp pain? Where did that come from? Because you're not a veteran yourself. No, I'm not a veteran. Um, I think for me, it really started back in 2010. And I was working at a brain research institute. And we had two DOD-funded studies, uh, one for brain injury and one for post-traumatic stress. And over the course of my job there, um, was part of it was helping to recruit for those studies. So helping to find post-9-11 veterans who were struggling with those issues and how we could intervene and help them. And over the course of my career there, I met several post-9-11 veterans who truly, I can say, like after meeting them, has changed the trajectory of my life. My dad's a veteran. Um, he served in the Air Force. My grandfather was in the Army. My cousin was in the Marine Corps, great-grandfather in the Navy. Like, I have service in my family, but it never felt uber personal to me because my dad got out when I was super young. So we didn't live that military brat lifestyle. And then um, in 2010, I met Morgan Luttrell, and he came through um, our program because he has his own history with brain injury. And we spent a week together, and over the course of that week, he said, I've never met a group who told me my brain could get better they really it was like we can get you back to baseline we can get you back to you know human average right which for a navy seal well-educated guy human average is not what he wants to be right he's a tier one operator he wants to be at that next level and he's like i need to get back to where i was mm -hmm. and so that sort of was an eye-opener for him and he said to me at the end of the week um when i get out of the seal teams I'm going to come back here and I'm going to get my PhD in cognitive neuroscience. And lofty goals. <laughs> lofty goals. Yeah. Um, if you've never met Morgan, he is 6'4", tattooed out the wazoo. I looked at him and kind of laughed in his face. And I was like, sure you are, buddy. <laughs> and if you ever tell Morgan no, um, he completes whatever you're telling him no to. Right. And so here we kept in touch. Um, about four months later, he was emailing me. Here's my application for grad school. Um, I'm going overseas. Will you read it and look it over? Wow. Um, he goes on deployment, gets accepted into the graduate program, does, in fact, come back to UT Dallas, gets his master's in cognitive neuroscience, um, and was accepted into the PD PhD program um, when he got an appointment from uh, Secretary of Energy, Governor Perry, um, to go and help lead some big data efforts over there. So anyway, all that to say is I was at this Brain Research Institute, and Morgan had a hobby of really, because of his own recovery from the helicopter crash, um, he was sent all over the country to rehab and get better. And he wanted everybody to have that mm -hmm. opportunity, right? Not just SEALs, not just Special Forces. He wanted anybody who would raise their right hand and was willing to serve and protect, wanted them to have the ability that he had. And so he had guys, all, guys and gals all over the country calling him, where did you go for this? Where did you go for that? And it sort of became too much of a hobby, and he needed an organization to take it over. So he approached Boot Campaign um, because he and his brother have a long history with the organization. And he, they took it over as a program. He came into my office one day and said, you're leaving here, and you're going to go be the CEO of Boot Campaign. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a jump. It is a jump. But it also, it was so interesting. I told him at the time, I was like, no, 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 I'm not. Um, and he's like, yeah, you will. Just give it a few minutes, you know. <laughs> Just give it, give it a couple minutes. Sleep on a little. You're going to do it, though. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, at the same time, I was sort of struggling where I was in my career and was looking for a new path. Um, did not think it was going to be with a nonprofit sector. Um, and I started this 40-day prayer challenge. And for 40 days, you it's a book by Mark Batterson called Draw the Circle, and you circle um, something specifically that you're praying for for those 40 days. And he sort of walks you through this journey. And mine was my career and my next step and what I should be doing. And so I sort of casually entertained this idea with Boot Campaign and met the gals, the founders, um, you know, had various phone conversations and really just started liking it. But I didn't feel fully equipped to be the CEO, right? Mm -hmm. My background is PR and marketing and communications. And so I'm very comfortable in that realm, in that world. Um, but leading an organization is a whole nother ballgame, right? Mm -hmm. um, and on the 40th day is when I got the job offer. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not, <laughs> if that's not a sign or a moment or a, a, a blip in time that changes the trajectory of your life for a reason. Yeah. The signs come when they're supposed to come, whether you like it or not, whether it takes five years or 10 years or two years or whatever it is, it will show up when it's supposed to show up. Yeah. And it sounds like that was uh, really meant for you in a very deep way. And, and seeing and knowing you now for the time frame that I have, seeing how you run this organization and the way that you do it and the care that you put into it, I can see now why, of course you were meant for this. It just, yeah. it, it I can't imagine boot without it, without yeah. you running it and doing these things. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I think for me, you know, it was a divinely directed um, opportunity, but it really, you know, it's become my passion, right? To me, you know, there's so many organizations. And as you mentioned, there was a study done in 2015. So these stats are probably old. There's 46,000 veteran service organizations. Um, oh my God. Registered with the, IRS in the United States. 46,000. And again, that was from 2015, so it's probably outdated. I don't know what the current numbers are. But there are so many places and so many people and so many, you know, there's this sea of goodwill that people refer to. And I truly believe that people want to help mm -hmm. the veteran community. Absolutely. But it's like we have to make sure that we're doing it in the correct way. Yeah, and that brings me to something I want to talk. I want to talk about. We're going to dive back into your personal life in a little bit uh, because I know there's some stuff there. And 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 you and if you have listened to the show, which I think you have, you know that I'm going to pry. So I'll give you a hot second. <laughs> you wouldn't be Kelsey if you didn't pry. That's 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 accurate. I'll take that. So there is a lot going on in this space. There are a lot of uh, really amazing organizations. There's some bad actors, obviously, just like in any other space. But with this conglomerate of you know, organizations and individuals that are genuinely trying to help, what are we not doing right here? Because why, is the stat why are the stats climbing? Why are we 44 a day now? Why are we having people decide to not stay with us and not see that they matter? Why, with all of this help and all of these people and all of this outreach and all of this faith and, and, and finances and just everything, why are we losing more? Oh, that's a heavy question, and I think a, a loaded question. Um, we have time. <laughs> I think there's a lot of reasons, honestly. Um, I think, firstly, even though we are more connected to each other than we ever have been in the history of the world, right? We've got little computers in our pockets all the time. We can reach anybody any hour of any day from, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada to Canada to Africa, all over the world, right? We are digitally connected. But I think we are more 
isolated Mm -hmm. than we ever have been before. Um, I think we're very selfish. People care about what they're doing in their little world and don't take enough time um, to check on other people, right? right? It doesn't have to be a two-hour conversation. It's just a quick check. Um, I think, um, honestly, we've gotten complacent, and I think that people don't want to put in the hard work to be the better version of themselves, and they need to really take a look at the finite amount of time that we have on this earth and how they can be the best version of them right? We all make mistakes. We have all done the wrong thing or fallen off the wagon for a little bit of time or whatever that is, right? Whatever it is to you is different than what it is to me, but you can always do better. And the sun rises the next day and you have a new opportunity to do better. Right. 1% better every day is my goal. It's something that I live by. And, and it doesn't have to mean in a, in a business sense. It can mean in a physical sense. It can mean in a spiritual sense. It can mean in just giving myself some grace. Yeah. 1% better. And when you stack those percents over 365, that's when the change happens. But I do notice a trend. I do notice a trend in America, um, in particular, North America, if you will, because I think that's really a better app description North America wants a quick fix pill for everything we we have a community of doers but for some reason there is this measuring contest that happens with everyone's egos um, when they're out of service and there is this idea that my trauma is more trauma than your trauma and not everyone is like that uh, but you do see it at the beginning of a pro- beginning of the process yep. when you put a group together, predominantly male for the most part. And the reason I can speak to that is I've only really ever been heavily involved in male dominant treatments. Um, that's just because there's few women that did my perf- my job. Like yep. you know, in America, you guys, I think I think it was in 17 women started to be able to come forward and do the jobs that Canada has been doing and Britain has been doing. Um, to an extent and so I not intentionally but really only have I can speak to a more male dominant audience or a treatment group if you will um, not trying to cut women out I I often get that response as well why don't you talk about more combat women and I, I I would love to and I would love to talk to more of them and I also would love to see more women seeking and getting the treatment but we do have this you know we are moms and we treat ourselves last almost always even even if you're a veteran we're we're even worse at saying no th- that guy needs it more than i do that guy. so i see why there's not as many women necessarily getting the treatments um although i'm hopeful that that will start to change when a few of us start saying hey like look you can be a mom and do this and look after yourself because at the end of the day, if you're not good, no one else in your household is good. Whether yep. you like it or not, there's yes, there's the men of the house. Well, let's be honest, the queens run the place, <laughs> and we do the scheduling. We make sure everyone's where they need to be. So if you're not good, nothing is good. And you carry everybody else's everything. Everything. Yes, we are that. And so when I see these, you know, these groups with these men, and there is this idea that you have to out trauma each other. It breaks my heart because if we could only just get ourselves to a point where you could see that no one's trauma is worse or better or different than it, it's different trauma it's, is trauma trauma is trauma is trauma the worst thing that has ever happened to you is the worst thing that has ever happened to you a girl down the street that lives in new york being mugged that's horrific that's the worst thing that might have ever happened to her 
or you could be the you know multiple tours downrange taking people's lives left right and center and that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you they're not comparable but they're not comparable and you shouldn't be comparing trauma trauma is what trauma is you know the thing that's really sad to me is if we could get the egos to calm down because mm-hmm. you don't have to kill the ego you need to learn to live with it and put it where it needs to be because it doesn't always need to be up front if we could do that we could save so many more souls yep i'm not sure if it's that we are self-destructive by nature or if we 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 think that we don't deserve to heal or we have such guilt about what has happened on deployments that you don't think that you should heal. But Boot seems to do something a lot different. And it's not just a weekend away hunting and fishing and then good luck, I'll see you when I see you. Because in my opinion, those organizations are fantastic. You have to start somewhere. You have to get people willing to be around other people. And sometimes that's the step, okay? Great, that works. But that doesn't work long term. Correct. The band-aids have to stop and we have to stop this victim mentality and we need to stop, well, I'm 92%. Well, I'm 100%. It doesn't matter. A band-aid's not going to work. You need to do the work. And if you're not going to do the work, I'm so sorry, you're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. You can't run from this. Yeah, you can't. Um, Matt Best, who sits on our board, always say, always says this comment, and I think it just rings so true to what you just said. You don't ever want to put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. It's not going to stop the bleeding, right? It's going to keep gushing. It's going to keep getting worse. It's going to get infected. It's going to get bigger. It's going to have more compounding effects that's going to make it more difficult to treat in the long term. And what we've seen is that there's been some recent research, and actually this just came to light in the last week. Um, we have participated in, in two different panels, um, one focused specifically on suicide more broadly in the military community and another focused on SOCOM and suicide, active duty, how we should handle this, you know, these right. complex issues. And one of the research studies that was shared was that on average from trauma to asking for help is 11 years. Yep. That tracks. In those 11 years, the trauma compounds with everything else. Life is life, right? You could have had the worst day of your life 11 years ago from today. Mm-hmm. But going forward, right, we're going to have 11 years of other stuff. It may not be combat related. It may not be military related. But it's going to just keep getting worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And so we just actually released our health and wellness impact report today. It just came out. And um, the, the average of guys that we served, guys and gals that we served in 2022, from separation of service until they reached out to boot campaign? 11 years. 11 years. Ooh. 11 years. God, that tracks, that tracks so well, right? When I look back at personal experience... If I didn't get diagnosed in country, oh, yeah, that tracks. Mm-hmm. That's super tracks. And the amount of time that is lost, that's a decade of someone's life. Mm-hmm. That could be their marriages. That could be the difference between their marriages staying together and a divorce. That could be the difference between people losing children yeah. and suicide. That is the difference between keeping people on the face of this earth 
and staying with us and us losing 44 a day. That yeah. right there. Yep. What do you think that's attributed to? The delay in waiting mm -hmm. and asking? I think it's a lot of things. Um, part of it, I think, especially, I don't know how it is in Canada, but especially in the U.S., it's being proactive, right? So I know just anecdotally when a lot of guys and gals separate from the service, you click all these check boxes and it's like, get me out as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to address anything. Um, and so starting from then, right, it's suicide is most common in these transition points, right? It's this overwhelming set of circumstances that you feel like you can't come out from under, right? right. So when you're separating from the military, that's a huge piece, right? Or you have a catastrophic injury, that's a huge piece. Joey Jones, who sits on our board too, he said, you know, I was completely and overwhelmingly trained to be an EOD tech in the Marine Corps. I mean, best training in the world. Right. Separating from the military because he lost both of his legs overseas, he's like, it was the worst time. I, nobody knew how to do it. Nobody knew what to do. They were worried about me staying alive physically, right? Let's make sure we get all these wounds taken care of. But let's not talk about how do we set this person up who just lost their whole identity of what he was going to make of his life's career. The military doesn't think about the mind-body. Right. They think about the body. Exactly. The mind is secondary. And at time of uh, initial getting into service or whatever they do a small psych eval they do you kind of overview so you have a baseline but at no point after that do they address your psychological state mm -hmm. at all so it does not shock me that when transition happens we are losing individuals like it's going out of style like mm -hmm. you, you can't keep up yep the transition period from what I have been told for Canada, speaking just from Canada, at least this is what they have expressed to me recently when I went to do my last round was different case types of case managers, uh, not just psychological now. They're looking at the whole family unit. They're yep. looking at everything. Um, but then I hear that from people high up. But then when I actually go down to the lower ranks, I'm not seeing that and I'm not hearing that. Um, it's a lot of check the boxes. Don't be super honest because how honest can you be, right? Because if you want to keep certain things, you want benefits, you want to these, it's like you have to be very careful of what you say. Mm -hmm. And I know when I transitioned out in 2011, at my most vulnerable, weakest moment, when I was on the most drugs I could ever be with no advocate, they would slide a piece of paper in front of you and say, if you sign this right now, you can just walk away. You don't have to do the other paperwork. You don't have to do the avals. You don't have to do anything. And I almost took it. But I would have had no support, no coverage, nothing. But they do it at the weakest moment for a reason. Mm -hmm. They don't – I think they see the financial impact. They don't really necessarily care about the number transitioning. It's like how much is it going to cost per individual to transition properly? Right. Okay, well, what's cheaper? Okay, well, let's just cut these couple services out. And that's what I'm seeing. Now, in America – the transition with individuals now I'm hearing is a little better, but I think there's a long road. Well, and I think the military in the U.S., again, from an outsider civilian perspective, is they want this one-size-fits-all approach, right? They're the military. They want things that you do X, Y, and Z for every person in every branch. They're going to have this result. Right. And a one-size-fits-all approach is a one-size-fits-no-one, right? And I think that's what makes Boot Campaign unique is that we are looking at the individual, not only their physical body, their brain, but we're also taking into account 
their family situation, their finance situation, their education situation, right? We don't, we provide individualized treatment for brain injury, post-traumatic stress, chronic pain, self-medication, and insomnia. We don't do financial assistance. We don't do helping you get your VA benefits, Mm -hmm. but we do have a network of people that do. Right. right. And so we're going to take care of you brain and body. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do a wraparound care mm-hmm. with our partners that we work with to make sure from 360 degrees, you are getting the best care possible so that those other stressors that may be circumstantial will get taken care of to help you make the long term gains in your health and wellness. The one thing I learned very well that Dr. Greg Passy, my psychiatrist, uh, Wanda, Rwanda and Bosnia veteran, bad, bad dude, really bad dude, old cranky man though. <laughs> We're working with, with, with like a lot of us for a hot minute, right? Getting up there, put me right where I need to be. But what I will tell you, one of the tools and the things that I've listened to now since 2011 being treated by this man is you have to do the work, but you need the family support. And how do we get these external stressors down so that we can then wrap yourself around the trauma and work on that? Because real life happens. And this idea that we can just get up at 4.30, beast the shit out of ourselves, not address things from a psychological standpoint, and work physically work our way out of things by working out, that's only a tool. It's not all the – it's not the toolbox. Right. And – when you hear that on repeat, it makes sense. When you start to have real life happen and external stressors happen in life, car accidents, insurance, taxes, pipes burst, real life kicks you in the face. Then you stack that on top of trauma that is just getting worse and worse and worse. And the family unit can't support that for long. It just can't. And so a lot of these organizations, as much as I like them, I can't love them because mm-hmm. they're not looking at the family unit. I know personally, without my now husband who was dating me when I got home, there is no no way I would be here. No way. Not a chance in like in hell. And I know that because I know the moment that I made a call to him. And if he wasn't answering, that was the sign to me. Yeah. Right? And so he would never have known that. But I knew that. And if I didn't have that support network, if I didn't have the parents who were like, okay, we understand why she's yelling. We understand why she's freaking out and snapping at us for no reason. We understand why she's sleeping three days at a time. Like, we can't figure it out because we've never experienced it, but we will go talk to the people that will hopefully give us the tools to at least be around her enough to know that she's got a net. And that's what's missing. Yep. The net. But it's, it's not just a veteran thing, right? No. It's a human thing. And we all need to address all of this, right? Yeah. It's every single one of us need to be proactive about every part of our health, our physical health, our mental health, our relationship health, our financial health, and like making sure that we are setting ourselves up for success and not just continuing to have these external influences take us down the wrong road. Well, because I notice uh, with first responders and veterans, we have a tendency to bury ourselves in things mm-hmm. so that we don't have to cope with the with the other things, right? Because I'm too busy. I'm too distracted. I have too many deals to do. Yeah. I've got too many things. I have no time. I can't possibly. Okay, but what happens one day when you don't wake up to those kids and that wife? What happens to the husband and the son? Like, you have to slow it down. Mm-hmm. 
and you need to look at the bigger picture because if you run at the pace that you're running and you're not doing the work to get better, you're not going to be here for all those things you just said that you have to go do all these things in order to be there for them. No, you don't. You need to be here, meaning you need to be working on yourself. You need to be going to your appointments. You need to be getting the doctors, the blood work, the physical um, therapy, all of those things you need to be doing. And you need to be just as accountable as the military made you about how your boots looked and how your rack was made and how your rifle was cleaned. You need to be doing it and treating your body the same way. Because would you have gotten away with that in the military? Hell no. You would have been reprimanded. So why... Obviously, I understand you can't can't come at trauma that way. Right. There has to be an individualized, handheld approach. Some people need tough love. Some people need to be to be hugged and, and walked through, and that is okay. But for those individuals who, because I've been both, right? I've been both. But for those individuals who are at the point of like, I could get better. I have the I have the opportunity, but I'm not doing the work. I mean. There's a lot of things I could say to that. Yeah. Well, we've got to be willing to have the hard conversation, right? No yes. matter what it is. Yes. If it's a hard conversation and, you know, lots of four-letter words and get your shit together. Yeah. Or is it, hey, I'm here for you. Right. But, like, you've got to take the next step on your own. Yeah, just different four-letter words. Right. And there's – that's why I like you guys, though, too, because you do have those hard conversations with individuals and you're relentless in your pursuit to – once somebody's on your radar – to get them well. Yeah. I think from the outside, it seems like you take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I take it personally, actually. And it's funny you say that because last year I sort of had this awakening moment where I was like, I have to stop taking it personally because it was affecting me. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't chase anybody, right? It's like, I can provide you an open door. You can call me anytime. I am here for you. I will... Move mountains for you. What do you need? What do you need? But I can't chase you. You can come to me anytime you want. Mm -hmm. But I can't pursue you anymore to get the help that you need. Well, then it becomes a detriment to the other individuals. And not only that, your family. Yeah. You are a human with tiny humans. Yeah. And that's that's a big enough job on its own, let alone running a nonprofit that is as substantial as yours. Yeah. Your foundation has been around for a minute now, and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of stood the test of time. And it's interesting to watch the development and change over time and see where the focus has gone. What I like about you guys is that you have started to, as soldiers came home and the issue started to change, you guys started to really dive into the newest thing that we are seeing be the most detrimental to the community and that is the traumatic brain injuries um are such a big part of what you do obviously when i'm when i'm saying traumatic brain injury i am speaking very similarly to um the program i did with resiliency i can only talk to that because that's the only one i've ever experienced that one in copel texas um that i personally went through but i know that you guys have other individuals that you work with as well but when i'm talking about tbis i'm also talking about getting blood work done. I'm talking about going getting your body scans done. I'm not just saying, you know, what is TBI treatment? It, it, it runs the gamut yeah. because it is such an individualized program because each brain is so different. 1,000%. So walk me through what that looks like with boot. <laughs> well, I would say... To the uh, best of your ability. Yeah, well, it's, it's different for each person, right? I think um, 
some people, right, we're, we're doing a full assessment of you brain and body. Um, we do a whole host of blood work. Um, we do a whole host of scans for your brain and see where you are. Um, and then everything is truly a tailored approach. So um, no veteran's journey through our pipeline is the same. Um, we specifically assign case managers um, based on who we think will have the better rapport. Um, we have a clinical psychologist on staff, Dr. Jenny Howland. Um, she's got all sorts of acronyms and degrees behind <laughs> her name, but she's also a military spouse. Um, so her husband retired from the Air Force. So she knows firsthand sort of what that lifestyle is like. Um, and I think for us, um, what makes it different is that if something pops up, we're going to chase that to get to the root cause of the issue, right? We're not just going to be an organization that treats the symptoms and, oh, you're better for today or this week or this month. We want to get to the root cause of what's happening with your brain and with your body so that we can address that and then hopefully get you off the medication or get you off whatever it is that you're, you're on and you're struggling with. Um, I'm thinking specifically about a veteran, female veteran actually, um, and she came through the pipeline, did the whole brain and body workup, and our neurologist was like, there's something else going on. Like, mm -hmm. this is not standard. And we, he tried. Um, he had worked with the VA before, so he knows the VA system, and he tried um, to go through the proper channels because she was receiving care through the VA as well, just, you know, her annual physical and whatnot, to pursue those um, channels to get additional testing and whatnot for her. Um, that was denied. And so we covered it. It was upwards of $35,000 to get her the tests that she needed. Um, and it uncovered an autoimmune issue, oh, wow. um, a lifelong chronic issue that she's going to have to deal with for the rest of her life. But had we not stepped in to take care of that for her, yeah. she wouldn't have, one, the diagnosis, but she certainly wouldn't have the treatment plan, no. and she would be feeling this terrible symptomatic issues that she was dealing with for a long time for the rest of her life. That's so tragic to me because it should not take, it should not take a, a, a nonprofit that has been started just out of the care because of individuals wanting to see others do better over the government coming in and giving these people what they've earned the right to have, which is medical care. Mm -hmm. And if you're putting people on the front lines and you're putting people in positions where they're inhaling toxic things and they're going through a life of trauma, the least you can do is fund treatment or a doctor's appointment to figure out why that human being is not feeling well. Well, I've had donor meetings before and they've asked this is the government's job, not your job. And I, my response back to them is, I wish Boot Campaign didn't have to exist, right? right? I wish. We are filling a gap right now of these guys and gals who need individualized assessment. They right. don't need to be treated by a number. They don't need to be treated as everybody else. We've got to get at the root cause of these issues so that they can go back being the member of society, the member of their family, the member of whatever it is, their employment, so that they can get back to what they want to be doing. Yeah, because ultimately no veteran, no human being wants to be living in a position where they are struggling. And that's end up, that, that really is what ends up happening is people get to a point where they're like, I just can't do this. Like, it might not be all that bad, but day in and day out, every time I have to get up, 
all of this pain that I feel that wears someone down. Yeah. And we understand now more than ever two parent households and the difference it makes in growing human beings. Mm -hmm. And so the pace that we're losing people and these fathers and these mothers, that's what's the scariest thing to me because you would like to think that it would be more cost effective for the government to look after people than it would be to be constantly paying at massive death benefits because individuals have decided that they don't want to stay any longer. Yeah. Hmm. I hate that all of these organizations have to exist because at best it should be a handful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It should never be 50,000 almost plus organizations that have to step up and yet we're still climbing with that many organizations running around. Yep. Hmm. But it's going to take all of us to do it, right? To solve this issue, yeah. right? It's not going to be the government that solves it. It's not going to be one little organization. It's going to be a collective effort and up to us as individuals and humans to show other humans that we care about them. And that's something that in this day, <clears throat> in 2023, in this day and age, seems to be very difficult to get others to see outside of themselves or to see that they're not the the center of the universe. Um, I don't know in America or where you guys are located what you're seeing from that perspective, but from where I'm located, it is very much a selfish environment where words are more dangerous than violent, than true violence. Mm -hmm. And when others get more offended by mispronouncing something than they do by being offended at the fact that our people would rather die than stick around. Mm -hmm. They can't see outside of themselves at all anymore. I don't know if that's a failure of just the next generations coming up in our technology, which it does all. I, I said this uh I had a clip actually come out today from one of the episodes. I had Dr. John Deloney on uh, the podcast. Incredible guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I haven't. Wow. I'm going to have to link you guys up. Absolutely incredible human. Uh, multi-author has a show called the, uh, the John Deloney Show. The Dr. John Deloney Show. You can call in. He's like a psychologist, right? And you just, he is very normal <laughs> and very honest about his failures and the failures of society. And one of the things he told me on my episode that stuck so hard is he goes, yeah, there's been pandemics. There's been things that have happened in this world, but we are in an epidemic of loneliness mm -hmm. like we have never seen. We are the most connected, but the most lonely society that has ever existed in humanity. Yep. How the hell is it that we can be ability, have the ability to talk to someone in space on FaceTime, but we can't seem to hug one another? Or we can't seem to show up for one another. Like you said at the beginning of this, it does not take a two-hour conversation to check on someone. Right. I have this great friend named Griff. He runs Combat Flip Flops, okay? Army Ranger, great human. Every couple weeks, almost like clockwork, phone will ring. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you doing? Solid. Actual? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool. All right. Touch with you soon. All right, cool. See you later. Click. He's doing his rounds. Yeah. Because the people that I choose to keep in my circle, I do my rounds with. Yeah. And I don't mess around with it. And it's a non-negotiable. It's, it's no different than 
if I were to check on a family member. It's a non-negotiable. You're in my circle. If I know you exist, you're being checked on. If it drives you nuts, I don't care. <laughs> you know what, and then you being you, you know this. I will FaceTime you whenever I feel like. <laughs> I don't ask for meetings. And I don't say, oh, I'm going to call you. Can we do this at this time? I'm just going to call you. And if it doesn't work, you'll call me back, but you'll see that I called. And you don't have to, people are like, well, I'm so busy. I'm so exhausted. I have a family. I have a this. I got it all too. But I make the time. Yep. And at least I know, at worst, and I would like to think that none of my people would do this, but at least I know if somebody finally says, I can't be here anymore, I know that I've done everything I could to show up for that person. Yeah. And that may be selfish to say, but at some point when you've just lost enough friends to this, this, this real pandemic, this real epidemic, this, this thing that is tangible, then I know I can live my life knowing that as long as I am trying, hopefully that that one phone call I make will affect someone. Well, and that's all we can do is try, right? I think I am a chronic <laughs> label, self-labeled, you know, perfectionist, control freak to some extent. Type really? A. You? Yeah, just a little bit. I didn't know that. <laughs> but we can't control it, right? I can't control someone else's decision. But I can control how I treat them. I can control how often I reach out to them. I can control how much I tell them I love them right and that's what I can control and the rest I just have to release and hope that they choose to stick around because there is, is at least to them one person that loves them you know I recently just finished watching with my husband I think it was the the Madoff mm. stuff on Netflix and that whole thing was just <sighs> anyway the sun's at the end there spoiler alert if you haven't seen it <laughs> I mean yeah. So he, the one son, they just, the media just ate them alive, right? The family members just eaten alive. And the one son decided that he was going to take his life. And he did. And I think the saddest thing about that to me was you can look like you have it all. You can walk around with a smile on your face. You can be some big famous person. And you can still check out. Mm-hmm. And it's sad when you, because there's so many of those in our community, right? There is. We've had some really bigger, we've had some bigger names say enough. The saddest thing to me about that is it's preventable. It always has been. You know, and when they talk, this guy talked on the, they're telling the story about the Madoff guy, uh, the, the one guy that, knew knew him said you know I I knew I should have called that week I just had this feeling I should call I never called but maybe if I called he would still be here mm. my heart broke for him because I know that even if you call you can't control other people's lives all you can do is be there to influence them the best way you can and let them know there's an open door yep and I got to say, that's got to be hard. That's got to take its toll on you because you can't save everyone. No, nobody can save everyone, right? I think um, that's the thing, and that's 
from the beginning of boot campaign, right? We're our, we're a fourteen year old nonprofit, and it doesn't matter the number. We're never going to be the organizations that's reaching thousands of people in terms of our programs. We're just not because we want to make sure that the quality of care that we're providing is still incredible, right? Mm -hmm. For us, it's way more important to be quality over quantity. But if from the beginning, the founders, it was if this impacts one life, that's enough. And so that's how we approach it, right? We want to make sure that, again, we have this wraparound care. And once you're part of Boot Campaign's family, you're with Boot Campaign's family forever. Right. And that doesn't mean that it's all smooth sailing and hugs and kisses and rainbows and lollipops the whole time, right? There are plenty of times that we've had tough love with folks. There's plenty of times um, where there have been difficult conversations that have, you know, led to a person walking away Mm -hmm. from the organization because they were like, you guys aren't treating me, quote, right. But then, you know what? They come back. Mm -hmm. It can be three months later. It can be six months later. And he's like, oh, I get it now. I get what you were trying to say to me. And now I'm really ready and willing to do the work. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Like, if you're not ready and you're not willing, that's when it's hard because you can, like you said, you can only lead the horse to water. That's right. part of it. But from from a genuine standpoint, because you are a mother, you are empathetic, you are of faith, you do hold different types of values. I know you take this on. Yeah, this is part of the the pressures that come with your position. How do you cope with this? What are your tools? <laughs> Um, I think it's a work in progress, right? I think, um, you know, I'm just like everybody else, and it's it's a struggle sometimes daily to put the foot in front of the other because it is emotional, it is draining, it is I have to tell myself to do the things that we as an organization preach, um, you know, and even to the staff. It's like if we're running and gunning and we've got various events and lots of candidates and you know, executing this and putting together that, you know, my, we'll have a staff call and my instruction to them, I guess I would say is don't forget to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. because we can't take care of anybody else if we're not taking care of ourselves first. And so for me, it's prioritizing sleep is huge for me. Um, That's also a new element of boot campaign. We've always done sleep and insomnia, but we're really going to roll out a program this year to specifically address that. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see sort of how that impacts the care that we provide. Um, sleep is huge for me. Being outside um, now that I live in Florida, being by the ocean literally every day. Which is, by the okay, for you guys who don't know this, um, I'm sorry to say that I am a very privileged individual because this woman across from me will send me, she understands how much I love the ocean, so she will just send me videos of the waves crashing and the most peaceful thing and I come to tears every time I get them because it's like someone thinks and cares enough to send this for me but you also know the thing that fills my cup yeah like that's so beautiful thanks well it's I mean being back home and being by the water has been a, a tremendous impact for me um, I also got have gotten really into yoga. Um, it's almost an addiction. Like I know the way you're sitting is adorable. Yeah. She's very yoga posy right now. I really wish you guys could see this. Um, if I don't do it, I feel it. Like if I don't do it one day, I haven't done it um, since Monday because we've been here at shot. But um, it affects me. It affects my sleep. It affects my anxiety level mm-hmm. um, for sure. 
So I think, you know, I've cut um, alcohol. I don't drink. Um, I it doesn't do well for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't sleep well if I do. If I do, um, I've very limited caffeine. Maybe a cup of coffee, but most time if I'm at home, I don't have caffeine because um, that doesn't go well for me either. <laughs> so. So all of the genuine tools that most people use, we're like, we, we don't do any of those because none of those are great for you. Listen, we understand caffeine is uh, is really rough for TBIs. It causes yeah. vagal constriction. It causes a lot of issues with blood flow, which is not great for TBIs and managing stress. And then uh, you couple that with terrible sleep and things like that. And then alcohol, which is a poison and a depressant. Right. So, you know... It, taking all of those out of your lifestyle obviously is, is going to uplift you and, and, and give you that light feeling. But from us, like a psychological standpoint, yoga is definitely a decompressant and, and mm-hmm. helps with anxiety, the dopamine and the serotonin, and all of that. But how do you cope, cope emotionally? Do you write? Do you talk? Do you pray? Um, yeah, all of the above, I think. Um, I talk a lot about it. I have an incredible team. We talk about things constantly. Um, you know, whether it be just the stresses that we're feeling as leaders of the organization or um, if it's a particular candidate that we're struggling with and, you know, we all have contact with. Um, we talk about a lot of things. Definitely prayer is a huge piece. Um, I do a devotional in the morning. I have a gratitude journal um, that's really, you know, been instrumental um, as well. Um, I've tried all sorts of things. <laughs> Therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just whatever works for you, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever works for you in that moment. Sometimes, you know, it may be intensive. I have a phenomenal therapist. I adore her. And it, maybe I'm seeing her once a week. Right now, I don't feel that need in my in the season that I'm in. Right. Right. But I know she's a phone call away if I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also important to realize that sometimes it can be too much and just releasing that, whether it be through tears, whether it be, mm-hmm. I, my husband knows if I'm struggling and I'm cleaning a lot, he's like, everybody get out of the way. She's having a moment, right? So it just depends on what it is. Um, but I think it's definitely emotional. And I think conversations like this make it helpful. I think it's people recognizing the difficulties of it um, to stay in this space long term for anybody not just me but anybody is a challenge um because it can be very draining um you know even being here at chacho i don't do the parties at night i don't i'm working Mm -hmm. during the day working the floor we'll go to a dinner Mm -hmm. and then it's like i got to go back and rejuvenate for myself so that i can come back and give and give that back the next day yeah you know shot's definitely one of those (sighs) depends on what you're doing yeah depends on the things you have to do um, and it takes it takes a little bit of time to realize what your is are non negotiables. Right. And sleep is a non negotiable. Yeah. Um, last night I got six hours. That was the minimum I'll accept doing yeah. something like this. Yeah. But after this, I will go have a nap before I go do another episode, and then I'll do another nap before dinner because I know I didn't sleep quite enough. And the, it, the to the detriment of it will affect me down the week. Right. Right. It lingers. Oh. Any TBI, if you're not honest to God, if you're not on it, it, it can really have a long-term effect throughout the week. It really just pull. Um, I think what's great, too, and I'd love to highlight a little, is you do have a support network. With, you have a great husband. You have tiny humans. And you have a family unit. Um, 
And it's something that I feel like you said, if mom's clean, let's get out of the way. Yeah. Dr. Passy would say that. Yeah. If you can't control anything else, you feel like your life is out of control. What can you control and do that? Right. Clean. Yes. And I do the same thing. <laughs> Vacuuming. Like, I'm going to mop after. <laughs> He's like, the cleaner was here. I'm going to mop after this, though. I didn't like how it was done. But the floor is fine. Doesn't feel fine. <laughs> I'm going to, and then I'm going to do, you know what? Let's just do the blinds. Let's just take the blinds down. Like, you know, it, it turns into this thing, but it's like mm-hmm. when everything else feels out of control, what can you can control? Yeah. Yourself. Well, and also like making sure, you know, I think the biggest thing that I struggle with is anxiety, right? So um, yoga has been really good in terms of keeping me in the present moment versus thinking about the future because I can get ahead of myself, right? The past, you. yeah, the past, whatever, right? Yeah. There have been plenty of things in my past that, but it's not I don't even care about that it's me projecting what's going to happen into the future that spins me up Mm -hmm. and so I think from um what can what is your environment and what because my brain can go so berserk in terms of the future right Mm -hmm. so for me it's like it's not even just cleanliness of like you know mopping the floors and whatever but it's like getting rid of things yes cleaning out bullshit that just takes up space and whether that be I would love to, as in Lindsay will kill me for saying this, but (laughs) (laughs) I would love to be off of social media. I would love it. I feel you. With every fiber of my being to not be on it. But I I can't not be on it because of the position that I'm in and how much we use social media and honestly how effective social media is is for us at Boot Campaign. So I have limits now of how I use it, but still, it's a constant you know distraction but also just there's so much negativity on it right Mm -hmm. so just cleaning out I went through not long ago and just cleaned out and people I didn't know people who had a lot to say that were negative in how they said it not Mm -hmm. that I disagreed with what they were saying just the tone with which they delivered it correct right yeah because you can have a like I've seen it like and I know with you you can have a, a conversation with anyone you're open to other sides and all these things. But there's a line and a limit when the delivery is nothing but a negative energy, and right. a negative, like you said, tone and what's being projected into the world. How are we filling each other's cup and lifting each other up versus this distraction and this taking, right? Yeah. It's how can we be more of givers um, in every sense of the word, right? Not necessarily monetarily or with our time or but how do we present ourselves into the world from an energy perspective so that we are giving something back that other people can receive and will take them to a better, higher level? I try to be very cognizant of the words that I say because I never want anyone to feel hurt by my words. I learned a long time ago that words matter in a very big way, whether it's prayer, manifestation, conversation to the universe. Call it what you want. Because I'm what is called a recovering Catholic, yeah. right? Um, I did the Catholic school. I did the communion. I did the confirmation. I did the, did the whole thing, but I never connected. Yeah. But then I used psychedelics to heal, and then I found a connection and sat in the arms of something mm-hmm. and had... Like I get, I get emotional talking about it because it's so. I never had that, mm-hmm. and so when it happens, I struggle with the word God because of the the attachment. 
that I had with the church when I was right. young. I, I'm not saying I was assaulted or anything. No, 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 I don't mean by that. I mean the way it was was very forceful. The indoctrination Yes, of it. yes, 100%. And so I just say the universe because I, I'm not ready to go there. Yeah. But I have a belief now that is new and exciting and invigorating yeah. and fills me with light. And there is something about that that makes me go, I don't want anyone to feel hurt. I don't want anyone to walk away from being in my presence or seeing something I've done and go, they made me feel worse. Yeah. If I'm saying something that might make you feel worse, it's not because I'm saying it about you. It would be something about like the Afghan pullout or something that is like, this is going on in the world and people need to understand why this is so hard for everyone to see. Mm -hmm. And so if I hurt you in that way, it's never been intentional. This is, that's an education. Right. And sometimes the education I put out sucks and it sucks because the stats suck. And it's not because I want them to. It's because that's how bad it is and where we're at. Mm -hmm. And if we don't talk about it, it's not going to change. Right. And so I come at it from that standpoint. And so the, the energy you put off is so important. And like you said, you have 365 days a year on this planet. And if you're lucky enough to wake up the next day able-bodied and functional, it is your duty to be a good human being mm -hmm. because it's not that difficult. We allow ourselves to fall into these spaces where we don't see outside of ourselves. And then we no longer empathize with other human beings and yeah. their suffering. And understanding maybe they're acting this way because something happened. Or maybe they're, because I have a thing with, um, people bring it up to me. They're like, well, you're, you're fat phobic. I'm like the fur furthest thing from that. I'm accountability focused. Yeah. And I was an athlete, so I can't imagine being unhealthy. Right. Right? That doesn't make me fat phobic. But what I am and I do not accept is putting people who are morbidly obese on magazines and telling young, impressionable little girls that that is healthy. So when I see someone, when I talk about things, people are like, well, how, can you, how could you say that? Well, because I'm not coming at it from hate. That person is like that because that person had gone through something. You don't just end up that way. Because you wanted to. That's emotional abuse. That's physical abuse. You turned to food because that was probably your only coping or mechanism that made you feel loved. So while I understand, but sometimes the information I'm saying people don't like to hear. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean it's wrong or hurtful. It just means that they are triggered by it. Something in them got triggered. Yeah. And I put a mirror up and it shocked their system. What I love about the honesty and vulnerability of boot campaign, but you and Lindsay too, you guys are exactly who you say you are. You do not hide anything. Yeah. You have been the most, one of the most transparent organizations I've ever had the privilege and honor of working with, but also just knowing that exists. And I have seen what you're able to turn out as an end result. And that is why you are on the very small list of individuals that I will say you need. If you have money, go give it to them. I know what they're doing with it. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to Honor House. They have one paid employee. It's very, very similar to Vets or Heroic Hearts. It is similar to Defenders of Freedom. Like Donna Cranston. God, I got to get you two in a room. <laughs> I got to get you two in a room. My God, that woman. Oh, my heart. I love her to pieces. There is certain people that will give their lives to this community yeah. 
even if they never served. And that is what true honor is, in my opinion, and sacrifice is. Because we can all sign up and we can all go serve. It's the people that are there to pick up the pieces when everyone else has abandoned us. Those are the people that are the sacrifice. It's my honor to do it. Well, and I love you for it. And I do love you for it. But I know you have to go. You do have to catch a flight. So we're going to cut it there. But I need you to, to tell everyone your favorite place to go find them on social media. <laughs> and how they can help Boot. And what they can do for you guys. Can they donate? Can they support with product? Can they have events? Can they? What can they do? And it doesn't have to be just in America. You guys help other people. Yeah, we are um, available and open for conversation. I think how we approach our health and wellness program obviously is individualized, but that's also how we approach partnerships, right? We want anybody to get involved with our organization, um, whether that be through event, through buying merch, through um, corporate sponsorship, and what works for them. Um, so you can check us out at bootcampaign.org. And what's your social media? <laughs> at bootcampaign. What's yours, Shelly? <laughs> At Shelly Kirkland. Because you need, you guys need to go give her a follow. She's a positive follow. She's a light follow. And she she is somebody that I can tell you, I love to say, and I love saying this so much because when it happens, it's rare. You are exactly who you say you are. Thank and you. thank you for that. And thank you from the community, honestly. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, everyone else, that will be it. We'll have another one from this week at SHOT. Other than that, we'll see you all next week. Yeah.